Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. As we were studying last week, this command, this instruction to be imitators of God is a difficult task for us, simply because our hearts are not normally set in that understanding. But what he adds to this verse is, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. When we begin to think of what he's adding to us here, he's calling us his dear children. And while that kind of language is often used in the condition where you have spiritual leaders and followers, that's not the same impetus that God has with these words. He is saying to you and me, to those that have received salvation and have His Holy Spirit living in us, that we are truly His dear children. And being children, as we've talked about in other messages, being His children, it carries with it a much greater responsibility than we have ever imagined before. We are His children. We are part of what would be a royal family. And we are called a royal priesthood. But we are His sons and daughters, adopted into His family. And He wants you and me to conduct our lives as children of His. I recall in another message that we had some time ago that there are three levels of relationship that's mentioned in Scripture. The lowest level of relationship is that of a hired man. Scriptures tell us that a hired man simply tends to the sheep. He does his day's work, he receives his pay, and he goes home. If while he's there tending the sheep, the wolf comes, he runs away because those are not his sheep. There is no relationship beyond his condition as a hired man and the pay that he receives. The second level of relationship is that of servant. A servant gets to live in the house with the owners. And they get to enjoy a lot of the benefits that the owners and that the other members of the family enjoy. Often that is excellent benefits. But at the end of the day, they are still servants. They have no ownership in anything that takes place. They have no ownership in the properties. And they have no say in the business of the family. The third level of relationship is that of a son. And that's the one that God calls us to. And that's what he's talking about here. A son and a daughter has all of the benefits that the rest of the family has. They have ownership of the estate. And as the master dies, the sons take over. God is saying to you and me, You are my dear children, and you will inherit the kingdom of God. I love the way the Lord uses that word inherit, because inheritances are almost always along the line of family. Sons and daughters inherit from their fathers. And that's what God is saying to you and me. He's saying you 
will inherit the kingdom of God. You are my dear children. In thinking through all of this, I was reminded of a sermon by this pastor in Jackson, David Jett of Crossgates Baptist Church. He, in his sermon, made reference to a study that had been conducted and then a book that had derived from that study. And the study had to do with religion in America. And what do those in religion in America, those who attend churches, those who don't attend church, but would claim to be religious, what are their beliefs? What are the beliefs that they hold to? And what they arrived at in the study was a name for this condition of this religion in America today. And it was to be called moralistic therapeutic deism. Moralistic therapeutic deism. Effectively saying that in their study, they found that if you resolve all of the religious beliefs of our American society down to some common tenets, you'd come up with five. The first one is that, yes, there is a God. Most people do believe that there is a God. Many try to say that they don't, but most all people do believe that there is a God and that he does have something to do with what we do on a daily basis. That God's desire for us is that we would be good and kind and fair to one another. The third tenet is that we seek for happiness, that we believe that happiness and well-being and feeling good about ourselves, especially, as an important part of religion. The fourth tenet is that God, though he did create us, he took a step back. That's the definition of deism, by the way. That God, though he did create us, he stepped back after his creation. And he then leaves us mostly to our own wits and abilities. And he does not get involved with us except if we have occasion to ask him. And then the fifth tenet is, if you're a good person, you get to go to heaven. I would agree with this study that that is what most people that I encounter seem to believe. Maybe not to the extent of all five of those. But as a general set of tenets, that's what the people in America count as religion. Yes, there's a God. And He created us. But He doesn't have much to do with us other than when we call on Him. He wants us to be fair and good and kind. He wants us to be happy and He wants us to feel good about ourselves. And if we really are good, then we get to go to heaven. In my opportunities to go on these visits of evangelism, 
I encountered all of that on a regular basis. That is what so many people count as religion. May I say to us that that sort of mindset is very common within our churches also. Most churches do not start out that way. They start out wanting to teach and preach all of the goodness that's in these words of Scripture. But when it comes to working with a congregation of people, and especially the megachurches, and if you listen to some of the megachurch preachers, you'll hear those five tenets being preached. Sadly, it's taking place within our churches. May I say to you, when that sort of religion is taught within the church, it is absolutely wrong, and it reaches to the extent of heresy, and it should not be taught. Why is that so? It is because notice that those tenets barely give God a mention. Yes, they say, yes, He did create us. But He doesn't have much to do with what I do every day except if I need Him. And so God then is only a handy servant to help me with my daily needs. Otherwise, if I can handle them by my own wits, then I don't call upon them. That is not in the Scriptures. What God is calling us to is relationship. You'll note that those five tenets of that religion in America do not call for a real relationship with God. But here He's calling us to a relationship as dear sons and daughters, as dear children. And what God is saying to us is that this is where you have been. You really have subscribed to so much of what has been given in these tenets of of this moralistic, therapeutic deism. Folks, I remember very clearly much of that being taught even in my high school years. Good well-meaning teachers, but still very wrong. And I would have to say, before I truly received Christ as my Savior, I believed much of all of that myself. And by the way, the reason they call that religion therapeutic, and it is a form of religion, by the way, the reason they call it therapeutic is that you can look at those tenets and you can say, I'm a good guy. I don't steal. I don't lie. Well, not much. I try to treat everybody. I try my best to treat everybody the way I would like to be treated. And you know what that does for us? That's therapeutic. We measure ourselves to the very worst that we could be. We say, well, I have good morals. I really believe that people ought to be fair, be kind, be good to one another. So I have good morals, and that makes it therapeutic to me. It makes me feel good about myself. But the problem with all of that is that it doesn't address 
who God is and what he requires of us. And it especially does not address what's going to happen that next moment after we breathe our last here in this life. It only is good for today. And if we followed those five tenets, especially about being good and fair and kind, gentle to one another, then yes, we'll have a good life. But what about that next moment when we breathe our last? What are we going to do with all of those other moments when we weren't the very best that we could be? Because let me say to you that morals, good morals, no matter how good you and I are, if we could be the very most moral person that we could ever imagine being, that would still not save our souls. I'll say that again. If we could be the most moral people that we could ever imagine being, that would still not save our souls. Why is that? It's because, as we know, there's only one way for our souls to be saved, and that is through the shed blood of Christ. It says in verse 2, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. If we depend on those, uh, those five tenets of that moralistic, therapeutic deism, Christ is not needed. If those five tenets could save our souls, Christ's blood would be wasted. But yet we have it here. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Do you realize what God is saying here? That he's saying what my son, the Lord Jesus, did to save your soul rose up to me as a sweet-smelling aroma, it blessed God the Father for His Son to die for your and my sins. And so then, we hear then in these Scriptures, Romans 12 in particular, we hear God calling out to us to change. Listen to these words. I beseech ye therefore, brethren... Now, by the way, beseech is not... I request of you. This is God himself pleading with us. That word beseech is also translated pleading. I plead with you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, H-O-L-Y, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, to those five tenets. But be ye transformed by a renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You and I are being called from a worldly form of religion to a very spiritual form of religion. One that can only be had through the mercies of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. Notice in those five tenets that nowhere 
were we presenting ourselves to God and asking Him to make us holy. But what he's saying with this word holy, he's saying do not be conformed to this world. Holy means to be set apart. The word holy and sanctification, to be sanctified, both of those words mean to be set apart. To be set apart from the world. Do not be conformed to this world. To be set apart from it. Yes, as in the parable of the weeds, you and I are going to always, until we breathe our last, we're going to always be nestled right in there with the weeds. But still, though we live in amongst the weeds every day, you and I are to be set apart. And that's a very difficult task because what happens is those five tenets of that worldly religion reaches over to grab hold of us. And so that's why he's pleading with us. He's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't choose their way. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, your flesh, this thing that drives your daily needs, presented as a living sacrifice, a similar sacrifice to what Christ did. We are to die to all of those needs of our flesh, that need to feel good about ourselves. I uh, lament the number of times that I have used the word self-worth. It is such a useful word, but it's misunderstood. Self-worth in today's language means that you feel good about yourself. Now, it's all right to feel good about yourself, but only in the context of what God is saying here. If you feel so good about yourself that you don't need the Savior that was sent to die on the cross and shed His blood to save you, if you feel so good about yourself that you don't need that, you've got a problem. You and I are to die to that self. And we are to become an acceptable sacrifice to God. And notice the words, which is your reasonable service. It's only reasonable. It's not even something special. It is simply what has to be. And then he goes on to tell us, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to those five tenets. But be ye transformed by renewing of your mind. How are you transformed by renewing of your mind? As I mentioned earlier, I spend time in those Psalms. I spend time in other scriptures too, allowing the Lord to talk to me. I do wish He would speak out loud to me, vocally. I'd love to talk with the Lord. But He doesn't do that. But He sure does put things in my mind. And He does it while I'm reading His Word. I'll start thinking thoughts that I'd never thought before. Wonderful thoughts, good thoughts, right kind of thinking about people and about circumstances and about how He is so faithful to me and to my house. My whole family. I was sharing in our Sunday school class that as I was sitting out on my patio last night, as I have adopted a custom to do, sitting there drinking my tea and smoking my pipe, I was counting all the blessings that God had showered upon me and my family. 
There's a scripture verse that says, forget not all his benefits. You'll note in the Old Testament that it was common for them to repeat to one another the blessings, the benefits that God had showered upon them. That's what he wants you and me to do. If we sit there, or if I sit there, in that, in the quiet of that darkness, smoking my pipe, drinking my tea, and thinking about how, or what, a mess this world is, I'm going to receive that. But if I instead conform my mind, or transform my mind, as these words say, uh, with this renewing through the Spirit of the Lord, I start to see the good things that are taking place. And so I sat there last night and just rejoiced at all the good things that are taking place in my family and has taken place over these many years with my blessed wife. God wants us to do that. How do you do that? How do you become transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. If you and I want to know what the will of God is in a matter, if we want to be His dear children, if we want to rise past that level of being simply a hired man on this earth, because people who subscribe to those five tenets are in in the main no more than a hired man. They go out and they do their daily work. They get paid for it and they go home. They get whatever enjoyment they can out of it. But the Lord says to us, no, you're my children. I want you to have much greater blessings in this life and then I want to give you a home like you've never had before, a mansion in glory. For in eternity, I want to bless you. But for that to take place, You need to make some changes. You need to leave that old former way of life. Those beliefs of those five tenets. Yes, you are a good guy. But I'm not looking for good guys. I'm looking for saved guys. And so I say to you, do not be conformed to that manner. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you want to know what the will of God is in a matter, sit down for a few moments, perhaps a few hours. Spend time with Him in His Word and let Him have the opportunity to speak to you. And mysteriously, you'll begin to know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You and I are His children. He wants us to talk to Him. As us parents here in this sanctuary understand, sometimes we, uh, as parents, have to go to great extents to spend time with our children. God's having the same problem with us, okay? He wants you and me to spend time with Him. We are His dear children. And how can we ever hope to be imitators of Him if we don't even know Him? If we don't spend time with Him long enough to learn who He is and what he, what His ways are. We're His children. You and I need to love Him as children, as He says here, and walk in love as Christ also loved us 
and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Do you know what else he's calling us to here? He's calling you and me to be that same sweet-smelling aroma. And when you and I deny that way of the world, and when you and I come to him as dear children and present ourselves to him and say, I want to surrender who I am to you, then we become this sweet-smelling aroma in the nostrils of God. And we become a delight to Him. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Let's pray.